You are such a good God, and we are so thankful that um, you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you for your word uh, that we hold in our hands. Thank you, God, for letting us know how much you care about us. And as we look into your truth today, I pray that you would inspire our hearts, that you would challenge and change us. We want to be different people as we walk out of this place from those who walked in. And we are so grateful that your word has power to transform us. Holy Spirit, do your work through the word, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we're in a series of messages this morning, uh, actually these weeks of Advent, that we've titled Advent Gifts. Giving gifts is uh, important this time of year, especially for the kids. I was uh, this last week uh, traveling uh, around town looking at a whole bunch of gifts myself and remembering um, my aunt and the crazy time that we would have whenever we were with her at Christmas time. We'd laugh ourselves silly because our presents were never in the right boxes. Year after year, uh, it seemed I would get uh, my sister's doll, she'd get my shirt, my brother would get mom's kitchen knives, she would get dad's billfold, but here's what I want to say to you this morning. God's gift to you is always just right for your needs, especially his gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, his son. Today, we're going to look at the Christmas gift of love. Gift giving is such an important part of Christmas. Uh, and do you know why? Some would say it's because the wise men brought those rich gifts to the Christ child, gold and frankincense and myrrh. That's a great thought. But really, it's something greater and grander than that. It's that God himself has given us the greatest gift in the birth of his son, Jesus Christ, the greatest gift of all in his coming for our needs. He brings the most personal gift that any of us will ever receive. He was born to rescue us from a sinful heart and a wasted life. Today, we're going to dig into that truth to understand it better, and to do that, we're going to study what is probably the most familiar verse in all of the Bible. You'll recognize it as we read it. Even those who have very little awareness of Christianity will recognize this verse, and if you've ever memorized a Bible verse, it's probably this one in John three sixteen. Jesus in John 3 is talking to a Jewish leader, a deeply religious man, Nicodemus by name. And Nicodemus, the text tells us, was an important guy in the Jewish community. He was a religious leader who came to Jesus at night to ask Jesus a number of questions. He came at night because he was afraid of what would happen if the other religious leaders knew that he was talking with Jesus. And he starts with these words, Jesus we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is deeply impressed with Jesus, knows where Jesus comes from, that he is a representative of God. But how does Jesus 
answer. And this is so strange how immediately Jesus says, Nicodemus, I tell you truly and seriously, unless a person is born again, he will never see the kingdom of God. What a strange response. Nicodemus is a very religious man. He's a Pharisee, and they were radically holy, so careful about their behavior and their actions that they went to extremes to please God. They were so careful about the thoughts that ran through their minds that when a woman would meet them walking along the street, they would close their eyes and turn their heads so that no impure thought would corrupt their minds. That's why they were known as the bruised and bleeding rabbis, because they would trip over stones and walk into walls. What a strange thing to say to such a carefully holy man. You must be born again. If anyone could be accepted because he was a good religious person. Certainly it was Nicodemus. A few verses later, Jesus will say those famous words. And as he does, Jesus, in a sentence, tells us the whole reason for Christmas. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. The true gift of Christmas is God sending his son. God loved the world, the people of the world. People like you and me and Nicodemus loved us so much that he himself decided to rescue us, to rescue us from our sinful heart, our confused lives, and, and, and an eternity separated from the God who loves us. He gave us his son. What an extravagant love. I've had wonderful gifts from those who love me, but God sends his son. His son left heaven's glory and came to this dusty globe as it wanders through space came to be born in the most humble of circumstances, came into situations that many would consider scandalous, to identify with the poorest of people, to spend the early years of his life as a refugee in Egypt, to, uh, uh, to give himself, to so give himself ministering to humankind that he had no place that he could call his home, that he would touch and love and heal people no one wanted to bother with, that he would focus his words on how we could know God and live for God, and then for him to go to a cross to suffer a punishing, torturous death, not for any wrong that he had done, but to pay the penalty my sins and your sins deserve. Have you ever been loved like that? Has any gift ever come close to the gift of the Savior? And here in one of these most amazing conversations, Jesus seeks to help a good religious man to stop trusting in his goodness and religion, but to believe and receive this most amazing gift. 
It's amazing that Jesus would say it to a religious man, a good man, you must be born again. But listen, none of us, not Nicodemus, not you, not me, none of us can impress a perfect God by our perfect attempts, by our puny attempts at being good. We'll never be good enough to impress a perfect God. And eternal life, if it would be ours, cannot be earned, must be a gift, a gift from the perfect one, a gift given through the only perfect Savior, the same one who is talking to Nicodemus. God loves you, Nicodemus, loves you so much that he's offering you a gift you cannot earn. But a gift to be yours has to be received, doesn't it? None of us would read our name on the gift tag and then say, I don't think so. No, we'd open it. We'd open it and we'd say thank you. And this gift from God must be received. So how do you do that? How do you receive it? You believe, as the text says. Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. What does that mean? To believe in him, to believe in Jesus. And here the English language hangs us up a bit because our English word believe does not carry the specific meaning of the New Testament word that Jesus uses here. It's a very specific word and, and it does not mean to believe that or to believe about. It means to trust. Some think it means believing that Jesus was a historical figure. He was, but that's not what believing in him is about. Others would claim it's believing his words and agreeing with what he taught, but that's not it. To believe in Jesus is not just to believe that he was or to believe that he's right. It's to trust him. It's more like if my wife and I were having a, a difference of opinion and I were to say, Harriet, believe in me. I'm not saying believe I exist. That's not it. I'm not saying believe I'm right, although that's close. What I'm saying is trust me. Trust me. Believe in me. Go with me. Trust me and let's do this my way. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life, will not perish, will not be lost, rescued from a sinful heart and a wasted life, given eternal life, abundant and rich life here and now, but beyond this life, to spend eternity in the presence of the God who so deeply loves you. God's gift of love at Christmas is Christ. God's love for us, his rescuing, redeeming love for us. The Bible has so much to say about God's great love for you and the gift of love that Christmas is all about. The same apostle who recorded Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus also wrote this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. I love how the Amplified translates that. 
See what an incredible quality of love the Father has given, shown, bestowed on us that we should be permitted to be named and called and counted the children of God. God loves you so much that he gave the most amazing gift ever given. He gave his son, the son of God who would go to the cross and die for your sins, my sins, pay sins penalty so that we could have his eternal life. There was never a more loving gift given, never a more extravagant gift given, nor a more shockingly generous gift given. In his great love for you, God is not frugal. He is not cheap. It was outrageously costly. Someone has said salvation is free, but it's not cheap. It costs God everything. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. You never will. But God loved you so much that he gave. He gave extravagantly, richly, abundantly. I found this uh, tender story in my files. It's been there uh, since my youth pastor days, and because that goes back to the 70s, I had a little trouble trying to track down the story and find its source. But it's from a book called uh, No Compromise by Jim Burns. It's a true story that Jim picked up from a young mother in those days and had her write up the story for his book. Here it is. We were the only family with children in the restaurant. I sat little Eric in the high chair and noticed everyone was quietly sitting and talking. Suddenly, Eric squealed with glee and said, Hi! He pounded his fat baby hands on the high chair tray. His eyes were crinkled in laughter and his mouth was bared in a toothless grin as he wrinkled and giggled with merriment. I looked around and saw the source of his merriment. It was a man whose pants were baggy with a zipper at half-mast and his toes poked out of would-be shoes. His shirt was dirty and his hair was uncombed, unwashed. His whiskers were too short for a beard and his nose was so varicose it looked like a road map. We were too far from him to smell, but I was just sure he smelled. His hands waved and flapped on loose wrists. Hi there, baby. Hi there, big boy. I see you, buster, the man said to Eric. My husband and I exchanged looks. What do we do? Eric continued to laugh and answer, hi. Everyone in the restaurant noticed and looked at us and then looked at the man. The old geezer was creating a nuisance with my beautiful baby. Our meal came and the man began shouting from across the room, do you do patty cake? Do you know peekaboo? Hey, look, he knows peekaboo. Everybody thought the old, nobody thought the old man was cute. He was obviously drunk. My husband and I were embarrassed. We ate in silence, all except for Eric, who was running through his repertoire for the admiring Skid Row bum, who in turn reciprocated with his cute comments. We finally got through the meal and headed for the door. 
my husband went to pay the check and told me to meet him in the parking lot. The old man sat poised between me and the door. I had to go right past and close to him to leave. There was no other way. Lord, just let me out of here before he speaks to me or Eric, I prayed. And as I drew closer to the man, I turned my back trying to sidestep him and avoid any air he might be breathing. But as I did, Eric leaned over my arm, reaching with both arms in a baby's pick-me-up position. Before I could stop him, Eric propelled himself from my arms to the man. Suddenly, a very old, smelly man and a very young baby consummated their love and kinship. Eric, in an act of total trust, love, and submission, laid his tiny head upon the man's ragged shoulder. The man's eyes closed, and I saw tears hover beneath his lashes. His aged hands, full of grime, pain, and hard labor, cradled my baby and stroked his back. No two beings have ever loved so deeply for so short a time. I stood awestruck. The old man rocked and cradled Eric in his arms, and his eyes opened and set squarely on mine. He said in a firm, commanding voice, you take care of this baby. Somehow I managed I will from a throat that contained a stone. He pried Eric from his chest lovingly and longingly as though he were in pain. I received my baby back and the man said, God bless you, ma'am. You've given me my Christmas gift. I said nothing more than muted thanks. With Eric in my arms, I ran for the car. My husband was wondering why I was crying and holding Eric so tightly and why I was saying, my God, my God, forgive me. I had just witnessed Christ's love shown through the innocence of a tiny child who saw no sin, who made no judgment, a child who saw a soul and a mother who saw a suit of clothes. I was a Christian who was blind, holding a child who was not. I felt like God was asking, are you willing to share your son for a moment? when he had shed, shared his for all eternity. Now, don't get distracted by fear. There are obviously safe, child safety issues in that story. That was a scary thing for that mother. And that story is not about should you give your child to some scary stranger, but it is about how God has given his son. Throwing care to the wind, God in Jesus reached out to love us. And you know what? God, God would be right to look at the smelly mess of our lives and turn up his nose at you and me. But no, God in love for us, the Son overlooking the mess of our lives, loved us and came to earth to save us. 
The Apostle John in a parallel text write this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love that God sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Can you grasp this? God, the perfect Holy One, who might be put off and offended by our weakness, by our foolishness, by our independent living and wicked choices. This God who should be put off by our weak humanity loved us more than we could ever imagine. Loved us enough to put into motion a plan to save us. In love, he sent Jesus This marvelous gift of love was Jesus who came from the glory of heaven to this dirty speck in space so that we could be forgiven from our sin, so that we could spend eternity forever in the presence of the one who loves us that much. So what will you do with this gift? Will you respond to the God who offers this gift to you with outstretched arms? Will you receive the gift by believing, by trusting in Jesus? Will you let him lead your life? Will you go his way? Today you can experience him cleansing your heart and changing your life. He'll do that for you because this is how much he loves you. And today, if you've never trusted Jesus to be your Savior, today, if you're holding on to, well, I'm a good person, you aren't anywhere close to good as Nicodemus who needed to be born again. If you have never yet trusted in Jesus for your salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins, for your entry into eternal life, for the transformation of your life. If you've never trusted him that way, today, today is your day. You may say, Pastor, I I did that long ago. And I've been struggling to live for God And I need to recommit myself to the God who loves me that much. I've had so many conversations with people who have talked about the struggle of their Christian life and frequently someone will say, I guess I just don't love God enough. And my answer to that is pretty straightforward. No, is that you don't understand how much he loves you. Pray with me. Lord, in this quiet moment, in the midst of this busy season, having listened to the beautiful voices of of these children declare your praise, In this moment, 
overwhelm our hearts with your radical, crazy love. We recognize in Jesus' words what we ourselves need. And we believe trusting you. And we would live our lives for the God who has loved us with radical, crazy, extreme, generous love. Amen.